All right, here we go, Shime time. Three, two, one. It's time now for the BitQL Boston Podcast. Let's run the slate with your host, Mike Mutnanski. All right, glorious Thursday morning. Up at 6.30, building a million daily fantasy golf lineups, scouring the internet for Celtics line movement news, watching the live golf, handicapping the Preakness, a D-Gen delight. Chris Shine, what's going on, baby? Not much, but I am loving this. I, I got to tell you, watching PGA Tia guys play off right now and and just I just I, I was, I'm stumbling over my own words. I'm PGA so tee off guys, yeah, I like those. Yeah, I, I didn't know how to. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just it PGA, was, I, you're you're this is what you are now and you're now a golf better. Yep. you're addicted to watching Tiger get birdies. Yep, you're gonna golf all weekend long. Yep, welcome to the club, Sean. Welcome it, to the club. This is the best weekend ever because it's like Celtics playoff basketball. The Red Sox are fine, so I can turn them on, and then I got the PGA Championship like all day for the next four days. This is the best. Uh, if you love betting on sports, if you love what uh, we've been doing here on the podcast, I certainly love doing it to spend like three hours every day kind of prepping for what oh, we do on the awesome. air at night and then this. I am loving every second of it. If you've loved it too, help us out and subscribe to the podcast. BetQL Boston on the Odyssey app. I just find it there. Hit the orange subscribe button on iTunes. Uh, search BetQL Boston. Get the podcast feed right to your phone. Leave a nice rate and review. That would help out as well. And the Spotify folks, Shine, they can get involved as well. Yeah, you just uh, type in BetQL Boston into the search bar there. We'll be the first one that pops up. Click that, and you can click the follow button, so it'll tell you every time we have a new episode. Uh, you can also hit the rating button right below the follow button if you wanted to give us a little five-star review. We are talking Preakness in about uh, 15 minutes, folks. Myself and Dick Girardi handicapping the Preakness, the second jewel of the Triple Crowns. So if you're here for the horse racing, that is coming up in a couple of minutes. We'll start, though, with the Boston Celtics, Chris Shine, which I wish I had a better feel for. And I admit, not just purgatory at this point from a gambling standpoint, I am frozen uh, with a little bit of fear on the Celtics series. Uh, Celtics series itself, uh, they are a plus 125 at FanDuel to win the series. They are a mere plus 110. At DraftKings. I suspect that Celtic fans in New Hampshire hammering them down. Uh, Heat are minus 150 to win the series. Uh, game, two co- game two coming up tonight. Celtics are a three-and-a-half to three-point favorite in most places. Most places dog. minus Celtics 110. Celtics are three-and-a-half point dog. dog. Three-and-a-half point dog. Uh, minus 110. They're plus 130-ish on the money line. Uh, the Heat are three, three-and-a-half point favorites. Uh, minus 164 on the money line. The total sitting pretty strongly at about 207 or 207 and a half. I said yesterday, gambling purgatory, we're kind of in a similar spot, Shime. We're talking about a game we don't have all the info on yet. So here's what we think, okay? And you respond to all this stuff at the end. Okay. We think Marcus Smart is going to play. Yep. We don't think Al Horford's going to play. That's the first two question marks. We now have a third. And in fact, as I refresh Twitter... It's no longer a question. The Boston Celtics tweeting out a minute ago, Derek White out, personal reasons. There were reports a couple last half hour or so. He was going back to Boston for the birth of his child, and apparently now the Celtics confirming that chime as they have announced no Derek White tonight. Uh, they are saying that officially uh, Sam Hauser out, Al Horford doubtful, Marcus Smart probable, and now Derek White out for tonight's game personal reasons, yep. uh, your reaction now to the ideas of Smart, Horford, now Derek White out, how this impacts the game for game two. Yeah, Derek White being out, it, to me, indicates that the Celtics are confident that Marcus Smart will play tonight. Uh, otherwise, I don't think they – I think they would have heavily uh, encouraged him to stay because they kind of really? needed him. Yeah, I, 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 that's exactly how I feel, at least how I read it. I'm not a father. I don't know the uh, the experience of having a child being born, so maybe you can you can throw slush all over that idea. But that's I exactly I how would. I feel. 
Uh, and so, to me, that indicates Marcus Smart probably plays, and I think that's good. I think that's very good for the Celtics, uh, and I think overall for the for the future of this series, that's good that Marcus Smart is probably going to be playing tonight. It's good for a prop that I liked on the Miami side. I, it, it's, it's certainly good for the Celtics, and the line, as far as I can tell, has not moved. It is you know, basically you know, still three, three in very few places, basically three and a half. Yep. Uh, the Derek White news is probably not going to change things. If you get word that Al Horford all of a sudden is not, uh, excuse me, that Marcus Smart's not going to go, that could change things. Um, but yeah, I, I, so let's work this out now. So no Derek White, Marcus Smart in. So Marcus Smart will start. Uh, Peyton Pritchard will play a lot of point guard minutes as the backup tonight. Correct. I'm sure Aaron Neesmith will now play because he's a much better defensive player than Pritchard is. Um, it takes away your second point guard. There's no – Smart can't be 100%. So what this probably means is a lot more Peyton Pritchard and or Aaron Neesmith that, I, that people would want it to see in game two. I, I, also think that, I also think it indicates to me that you're going to get a much heavier dose of Jalen Brown. Yeah. I, I, he has been very – He wasn't good in game one. No, he, was he wasn't. But the last time he wasn't good in a game, he came out and had 25 points in the first half of the next game. So – in my mind, I see something very similar, right? He has a bad game. What does he do? He comes out and lights it up in the in this game. So I, I don't even know if you can bet this, but if you can find like Jalen Brown's first half points, I'm probably going over. I know his total points for the game are somewhere around 23, I believe, at last check. Uh, yeah, 24 and a half right now. You're getting that at even money. So I don't know exactly how I feel about 24 and a half. I kind of like the over there. Um, but if there's any way you can find like first half points for Jalen Brown, I, I think this kid comes out lighting it up because I, I, that's just how he's played. All throughout the playoffs. He has a bad game, then he comes in, lights it up. Bad game, comes in, plays well. Bad game, comes in, plays. It's just, it's similar to how the Celtics team is, right? If they have a yeah. bad game, they don't have two bad games in a row. They just don't do it. They don't They don't lose back-to-backs, which is why, uh, not to jump right into it. No, but go ahead. I, I'd like you to go first because I, I need some help on this game. Yeah, so I'm, in, I'm in on Celtics plus three and a half. I, I'm taking the, the three and a half points. Uh I might play the money line, but I think for the most part I'm just going to stick to getting the three and a half. I feel more comfortable with that just in case Miami does keep it close because Jimmy Buckets has been lights out in the playoffs. But I am confident that the Celtics will not lose back-to-backs. Ime Odoka preached this in the second round. He said, we didn't lose back-to-backs at all, basically, since January 1st. He's like, I don't intend on starting that now. I think he's preaching the exact same thing tonight. Uh, in this game too, I, I don't see them losing back to backs. They ha- and and to me, it feels like a must win, right? I think it's only seven yeah. percent of teams down two zero uh, come back to actually win the series in the NBA. So, I I just I I think tonight's a must win. Ime preaching, don't lose back to backs. I, I think the Celtics come out lighting it up and win this one. The public betting is all on the Heat. Uh, only forty percent. Right. Only forty percent of the bets, but sixty five percent of the money. On the Heat, minus the points tonight. Uh, money line, 34% of the bets, but 53% of the money on the Heat. Money line, uh, total, well, the overs, the, the overs, eh, eh, 63.59 uh, is the over. 37% of the bets, 41% of the money. So a little bit of a ratio uh, on the under itself. I don't have a great feel for the total. If I, I'm with you, I my, my, my head is telling me that there's a lot for the Celtics to overcome. Like, Derek White's not going to be there. Al Horford out. Marcus Smart back but hobbled. But they're the better team. The Celtics are the better team, and I'm getting three and a half points in a back-to-back scenario after they had one of the worst quarters in the history of Celtic basketball. Shime, give me the three and a half. I'm yeah, with you. Hey, so Celtics plus three much. and a half tonight. You yep. said it the other day before game one. You're like, I, I have a feeling. You're like, I'm not going to bet this, but I have a feeling Miami wins game to one, Celtics bounce back game two. 
That feeling is. I think you need to stick to that. I think you. Need well, that to, was also that was also not knowing Al Horford was in COVID protocol. Fair, to be, I, for being honest. I, that's that's very fair. I, you know, we do have new information now. I get that, but at the same time, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think the Celtics came out. They got beat in Game One. Jimmy Butler was tremendous in that second half, especially that third quarter. Uh, and, and then they're going to come. I think the Celtics are going to come out firing on all cylinders here in Game Two. All right, so I told everybody that I was going to hammer the Celtics series price after they lost game one. So it's plus 125 at FanDuel. It's plus 110 at DraftKings, which is disgusting. I can't believe it's taken that sort of hammer. So here's what I'm thinking about doing, Chime. Uh, DraftKings also offers Celtics in six and Celtics in seven. Yep. I don't, the Celtics are not winning in five. The Celtics Correct. are not winning four in a row. So I'm going to throw that result out. Celtics in six is plus 330. Celtics in seven is plus 425. So three and a half and just a little bit over four to one. I'm thinking about, and I want to talk this through with you, instead of that big bet I was going to make on the Celtics series price, I'm thinking about splitting it between these two at, at better odds. At three and a half to one, four to one, versus just the straight up plus 110, because I don't think they're going to win in five games, so I don't even want that result. I want the two other results, which are both, you know, much better odds. I completely Celtics agree. Win there's, the series. there's no shot the Celtics win four in a row against this Miami Heat team. It's just not totally happening. Agree. Totally uh, agree. Because they're... As we've seen in the playoffs, they're apt to lay a stinker. At some point in some quarter, the Celtics are going to have a, a mind meltdown like they did in the third quarter of Game 1, like they did in Game 5 against the Bucks. It's going to happen. So to me, there's no shot this is done in five games. I think right now, if you're confident in the Celtics, you put money on Celtics in six at plus 380, Celtics in, in seven at plus 430, uh, and that is far more worth your money than trying to take Celtics at plus 110 or plus 130 to win the series. I'll be on the Celtics tonight, and I'm going to do that in some – Some I may wait it a little bit uh, versus 6 and 7, but I'm going to go and play that today uh, as my series bet instead of the big bet at plus 110, which is all I can get here locally uh, with DK based on the state of Massachusetts. Uh, that's what I, that's how I'm going to play it. Any other series thoughts where we get some prop ideas for game two? Uh, nope, let's get into the props. All right, so um, I was already going to tell people I want to bet a bunch of Gabe – Vincent props, and I, oh, I wouldn't. Okay. Play, I wouldn't plan to be some Gabe print, uh, Gabe Vincent expert, but Gabe Vincent is playing a bunch of minutes now with uh, Kyle Lowry out, and they made a point when they had Gabe Vincent matched up with Peyton Pritchard, they were going after that matchup. And now Marcus Smart is out, and I think now. So my assumption is Marcus Smart is going to spend a lot of time guarding Jimmy Butler. That was the whole idea, right? Get okay. Marcus Smart, the best defender on Butler. Yep. That's going to leave, especially that second unit. It's going to leave Peyton Pritchard. Or Aaron Neesmith guarding Gabe Vincent. He went for 17 points in 34 minutes in Game 1. His point total for prop for Game 2 is 10.5. I want the over at minus 105. His prop total for threes is 1.5. I want the over. It's minus 160, so I'm not thrilled about using it individually, but you can do it as part of a same-game parlay. So my biggest prop bet, I can tell you right now, is going to be on Gabe Vincent over 10.5 points. And I will tell you, there is a matchup on DK Shine. Him versus Grant Williams for points. And people Ooh. are hammering. People are hammering Gabe Vincent. He's down at like minus one sixty. Wow! Against Grant in this matchup, so I have confidence that there are other sharp people besides me seeing Gabe Vincent. I'm taking Gabe Vincent over ten and a half points. That's my big prop for game two. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, I'll stick with a Heat player oh, thanks, here. Buddy. I have uh, I have Tyler Hero over one and a half three pointers made in this Did game. Do you ever know that you're, you're my hero? You have to lay a little bit of juice here. It's like minus one forty five, depending on where you look. But at the same time, you can incorporate it into some same game parlays. I think, I mean, Hero came out and lit it up in the first half in game one. I kind of expect a lot of the same out of him. He'll just come out, he comes out swinging, and that's what he does. He hits 
threes. He's really good at it. So uh, only setting that line at one and a half is too low to me. And then I think I want to run it back, actually, with a prop we had in game one, Mutt. Can I ask what it Can I guess what it is? Please. Bam on a bio double-double. No. Jason Tatum over five and a half assists. assists. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I, I don't love. Hate it. I love the way you put it to me. Jimmy Butler defends him very, very well, uh, and he's going to kick out a lot. And I think the Celtics are going to be better when Jason Tatum kicks out. Uh, he was great in Game One at, at facilitating, especially because in the second half he only had eight freaking points. So, uh, <laughs> so, and you're getting the, that Tatum over assists at minus one hundred and five. So basically, even money over five and a half. So I really wow. like that. All right, so we're on some. See, this is this is Gen City. I do Gabe have a Bam Vincent Adebayo props. prop for you if you go, want it. Go for it, yes. Yeah. Go. Uh, so Bam Adebayo over one and a half blocks is at plus one fifty five right now. That can't be true. Yes, it is. And he had four in game one. So that can't, oh, where is that listed? Uh, that would be. Let's see. I believe I started on DK actually. Okay, well then, not, like, then we're gonna add that to the. That's that's if that that can't be okay. Uh, even on, uh, so on Fanduel you get an even better number. So if you can play Fanduel, you're in Connecticut or New York or whatever where you get Fanduel. Bam Adebayo over one and a half blocks is plus one seventy two. Really? Yep. I'm looking at it right now. Okay, I believe you, but I'm tell- add that to my card. <laughs> I, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just been added. That's easy been added. play. That's been added. He talked me into it. So Gabe Vincent and Bam Adebayo props for game two. I don't have any Celtics props for tonight's game. I don't know what kind of rotations they're going to use. Uh, it's a, it's like you said, a must-win game. I would not be shocked if Tatum and Brown basically the distance in this game. I don't know about Marcus Smart's health. I have no idea what he's going to do now with Derek White out. So I am not confident on those. Celtics plus three and a half. Series in six or seven. Gabe Vincent, Bam Adebayo. That's my card for Celtics game two. Love it. Uh, you split. What you are you even Stevens now on the NHL playoff games? Uh for the most part, yeah. I'm pretty. I mean, so that that four and zero night keeps me positive overall in the playoffs. But uh, the last two episodes, I think I am three and four. Okay, so let's focus on tonight. We have a couple more game twos tonight. Yep. Like the Prince of Pucks is here. Put us on some winter shines. When I drive to New Hampshire in a few minutes, I can go and get this action in. Let's go. Yeah, I'm going uh, Colorado Avalanche uh, three-way money line. So, again, for those who don't know, three-way money line is they have to win in 60 minutes. Uh, There's no overtime, nothing like that. They won in overtime in game one. I expect them now to be a lot fresher. This Colorado Avalanche team is filthy good. They are so good at hockey, it's ridiculous. Jordan Bennington had to stand on his head juggling 800 different chainsaws in order for the Blues to even make it into overtime. He had to save 51 shots in that game. The Blues didn't get a shot in overtime. Uh, Colorado in the th- on the three-way money line, minus 145. I have to lay a little juice. I don't care. Uh, the, this Colorado team is ridiculously good. I don't I they might they are the best team in hockey and I don't even think it's a question. Uh they should come out of the west. So I would even look into uh the Colorado Avalanche to make the Stanley Cup uh in the western playoffs here. Uh it's I wow. I they are they are so good. But they are they're the best team in hockey. Uh and so with that being said, you look at the other game tonight is the Lightning Panthers game 2. I was very wrong how game 1 was going to play out. Uh, I thought that Tampa Bay might be a little tired after playing a seven-game series and and barely sneaking by. Yeah, uh, but they weren't. They came out. They 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 answered a one-goal deficit with four straight goals. Ended up dominating. So I'm going to go with the prop I should have given you in game one. I wanted to give it. I didn't give it. I chickened out. I hated myself for it. That's Nikita Kucherov to have a goal. This guy's lighting it up for Tampa Bay. Uh, he's one of the hottest players in the playoffs right now. So I'm going to go Nikita Kucherov to have a goal at plus one seventy. 
Red Sox bounce back. They winners last night take a series, their third series win of the year. Seattle comes to town. They're not very good, but they have a rookie pitcher on the mound tonight, George Kirby. Two starts, 10 innings. He only allowed one run. This kid was a top prospect uh, for Seattle. They called him up around Mother's Day. This will be his third start. You can bet under half a run in the first inning. So basically, no runs to score in the first inning, Shime, at minus 115. That's my bet tonight for the Boston Red Sox. They're seeing George Kirby for the first time. Rich Hill has pitched well against a bad offense. What I want to see is the first inning is over. I want a zero on top of a zero, and that'll be a win for Mutt on this podcast. Love it. Did you hit your uh, Red Sox bet yesterday? I know you gave a walks prop. Did that hit yesterday? Luis Garcia ended up walking three. First time all year he's walked three. Damn. That was a loser. So take mark that Bummer. down as an L. We're trying to bounce back. We do okay. that out on the Red Sox pregame show as well. That was a loser. So we're trying to bounce back there. Uh, we got a lot of things to get to, folks. We have the Celtics tonight. Full recap tomorrow. Preakness stuff to get to coming up here in just a second. We got podcasts Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Shime, anything else to the people before we talk some Preakness here with our buddy Dick Girardi? No, that's it. Enjoy uh, enjoy all the betting. We'll, I'll be back tomorrow, and uh, we'll get even more in reaction to game two. Let's talk some Preakness, shall we? Well, as we turn the page from the Celtics to the Triple Crown, the second leg, uh, second jewel of the Triple Crown this weekend, Hi-Ho Pimblico in Baltimore, Maryland. It is the Preakness and uh, a guy who has been a longtime guest of the podcast you've done for racing here uh, on WEEI, the BetQL Network. It's the legendary sports journalist Dick Girardi. Of course, long time at the Philadelphia Daily News, Daily Racing Forum, and Buyer Speed Figures and Buyer Associates. And uh, I, I, I call him the most profitable handicapper on this podcast, most consistent giver of winners to our audience, Dick. Happy Preakness, pal. How are you? Uh, I'm great, Mike. Happy Preakness to you, pal. Uh, also one of the better handicappers that I know. Finished third in the BCBC a couple of years ago with an unbelievable exacta uh, there at the end. Uh, would you have had the uh, exacta in the Derby, Dick Girardi? I, I would have had a little bit. My big exacta, Mike, would have been if simplification had been second behind Epicenter. Uh, that was paying like $400, and I had it a few times, shall we Shall we say. Uh but, yeah, and none of it mattered in the end when uh, I actually watched the race from the infield. Uh, I, and I'm seeing everything's going according to plan. And I go, wait a second, who is the 21? Who is this horse? It was just bizarre. Uh, yeah, I we've saw had, no explanation. We've had a couple of weeks to think about it. Uh, you've watched the race uh, afterwards. Can you, make, can you make a case 12 days later for Rich Strike in any way, shape, or form winning that derby? No. Uh, I went back and watched all of his replays from his first race at Ellis Park to when he won his maiden at Churchill to the Keenan Allowance, the race at the fairgrounds against Epicenter, and then the three on the synthetic. And I can't see anything that suggests there's any chance this horse is going to run that kind of a race. He didn't have any numbers. He never gave that kind of a finish. I mean, he finished in like a little over 24 seconds. Um, And on the synthetic, the one thing I would say about the races at Turfway was he was winning the gallop outs there. He was a couple lengths past everybody, but that's fine. But I didn't think there was anything in those races anyway. Um, and the one that struck out to me stuck out to me was the epicenter race the day after Christmas. Yep. I mean, he was losing ground in the last 200 <laughs> yards to epicenter. So why is he making up ground in the Derby? So I don't have an answer. Hey, congratulations to the folks that put him in. I don't even know why they wanted to be in the Derby. I could never figure that out, why they were running in these prep races. But you know what? They got the money, and uh, I got on an airplane and came home with empty pockets. Yeah, as our late friend Bob Newmeyer used to say, he was a slave to the numbers, and I'm a buyer guy, uh, like you are. And so I I could never make a case 
uh, for the horse at all. And one more on Rich Strike, who is the 2022 Kentucky Derby winner. Uh, your thoughts, stick on him not being uh, in this race. Certainly it takes some starch out of the entire Triple Crown run, but your reaction to deciding to bypass this thing for the Belmont? Yeah, look, I think it's probably good for the horse, but it's definitely bad for horse racing. Uh, I, I, look, I think they're being realistic. Uh, whatever could go right did go right in Kentucky. The chances of that performance being repeated under uh, very, uh, definitely different circumstances at Pimlico were very small. So from that standpoint, it made some sense not to run. But look, for the sport, we need the Derby winner in the Preakness. It's, that's where, I mean, that's what's the allure of the Preakness, right? It's the first time you see the Derby winner. The story, uh, even if you get beat betting, which I did and you did and everybody else I know did, you love the story, right? You know, who is this horse? Can this happen again? How did, I know NBC's got to be upset because that was they were going to build their storyline around Rich Strike. Who are these people? Uh, so from that standpoint, for the sport, it's very, very disappointing that he's not running. So we have an interesting feel for the Preakness. Um, I, I think it's unfortunately one of the more boring uh, triple crown races we've ever handicapped here on this show. Uh, Epicenter is the morning line six to five favorite, and I think it's going to be very tough to beat him. Uh, we'll start with the favorite who ran really well. I thought he ran a better race than the winner in the Kentucky Derby. Is it as simple as let's back the Derby winner coming back at a short price uh, on Saturday, Dick? I think the only chance he gets beat is if early voting gets a clear, easy lead and doesn't give it up. Uh, that's the only scenario I see Epicenter getting beat at. And I don't think that's a very likely scenario. I think he's just better than early voting, even if early voting does clear. And there's a chance there potentially could be other speed to go with early voting. But, yeah, I see Epicenter getting a dream trip. Love the post. Better than the three in the Derby. There's only one horse outside of them. I see Joe Rosario in a, look, in a perfect world, Mike, he's loose on the lead. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think he's sitting second, third, a couple lengths off the pace, not nearly as far off as he was in the Derby, more moderate pace, and gives you that run that he gives you in every single race he's been in. And you know what I like most about the Derby? I call it the point-given move. I, I, I coined it 20 years ago, and the great point-given was – Winning the what the Preakness, the Belmont, the Haskell, and the Travers in a row should have won the Derby. Just got a rare, ill-timed ride by Gary Stevens that day. Um, when you see a horse make that move like Epicenter did around the turn, and then another really good horse comes to him in the, in a the stretch like Zandon and won't let that horse go by, that's the mark of a talented, competitive horse and a horse who can win at the highest level. That's why I love that. I love Epicenter on Saturday. Love. It. Uh, I've not heard you use that word very much in the 12 years I've been doing this stuff, so that's significant. Uh, what I love about him, Dick, is the versatility. Like they, they when when they decided a couple races back, when Asmussen and, and Scott Blossy decided we got to see if this horse can rate, like yep. he rated like he was a four or five year old. Like the first time they did it, that Louisiana Derby, he ran a 102, but he was untouched in the lane. And I I, I think there's they haven't reached the bottom with this horse. I, I'm totally with you. He he is such such the horse to beat. It's not even funny. We'll circle back to early voting because i got thoughts on him. Let's talk about the Philly because I think Secret Oath is going to be the other horse that gets a lot of buzz heading into this race on Saturday. She's a Philly run against the boys. She took down the Kentucky Oaks. Great ride that day by Luis Saez. Did so at about 4-1. to one. She's probably going to be about that price here in this race, Dick, the number four horse, Secret Oath, for D. Wayne Lucas uh, trying to take this thing down. Uh, good for D. Wayne to spice up this race. It helps the race, in my opinion. Uh, what kind of chance do you give Secret Oath at about 4-1 to one somewhere on Saturday? 
I think she's a contender. I, I don't think she can beat Epicenter if Epicenter runs his best and she runs her best. But yeah, on the on the bet online at the moment, she's five to one. Early voting's like nine to two. I actually think that Secret Oath is going to be favored over early voting because early voting doesn't have a lot of uh, buzz. Yeah, he ran second in the woods. It's Chad Brown and and all that. That's fine, but it's Wayne. It's the Kentucky Oaks winner. It's a Philly. Her record is awesome. I mean, a lot of ones there. So I yep. suspect she is going to end up being the second choice in the race. And I can't come up with a reason why she's not going to fire, but firing against the three-year-old Phillies and firing against this group is two different things. I have her about four lengths, five lengths slower than Epicenter if they both run their top race. And I don't know that she's going to be able to make that up in two weeks. I I just, I don't see it. Uh, I think we kind of know what she is. She's really cool. Uh, And I think third or fourth is doable. Second, I hope not, because that's going to be the chalk exact. I think that's going to be the one that's going to pay like $9, and I'm not going to have any part of it. So the other horse you mentioned, I have similar feelings that you do to Secret Oath, and I hope the odds you're talking about at betonline.ag, which uh, Dick's here courtesy of uh, Jimmy and the great folks there at BetOnline today. I hope that ends up being the case, because I'm with you. Early voting, to me, is the only other horse that can actually win this race. And I- I've told- said this before. I mentioned on a couple radio shows last week. You know, if you ask me what kind of handicapper I am, Dick, I'm a pace and price handicapper. I'm always looking for a horse with a pace advantage, either because the race is going to melt down and he's a closer, or there's no speed and he's a front-end speed. And I love betting those horses, whether it's Aqueduct, Churchill Downs, Saratoga, whatever. And early voting, it should – I mean, if if they go with Jose, which is the only way the horse can win, and I expect that, you know, Klarovich, who won this thing with cloud computing a couple years ago, like, they're running here to go to the lead and try to go wire to wire. And – there's not a lot of other speed in here. The only other speed might be a horse ridden by, you know, uh, Jose's brother, Irad. He doesn't want to go to the front. So yep. I think early voting has a major pace advantage. And if he's able to get a slow pace up front and it's a mm-hmm. really hot day, Simplico on Saturday yep. and the thing's playing a yep. speed, like I could mm-hmm. see him going wire to wire for Chad Brown on Saturday at 9 to 2, 7 to 3 to 1, somewhere in there. No, I, I think that's right. I think he's the only horse, given the scenario you just described, that he could beat epicenter because look any good horse and he's a good horse trained by a really good trainer ridden by a top jockey is dangerous loose on the lead at pimlico or really anywhere but especially pimlico on a hot day you're looking at a hard racetrack um it's interesting i was trying to figure out the pace so you you mentioned one of the really inside stories here we got early voting with jose ortiz yep armanac who's coming in from california why in the world they named irad i haven't a clue now he's not a great jockey because he is but that's how Armanac wins, right? He's a speed horse. Yeah. So now he's, he's, and Irad and Jose are going to have a chat. They're not going out there and battling each other. So I think Armanac's best game is to get loose, and he's not getting loose against early voting. I don't, I don't see how that's happening. Well, Dick, and, and Dick, let me, let me, one more yeah. inside baseball thing here. Irad Ortiz yeah. rides a lot of horses for Chad Brown. Flavian yeah. Pratt's now in New York. Irad does yeah. not want to piss off Chad Brown by going to the front to burn early voting in this race. No question. Yeah. Now, again, that's why I'm a little, I was a little surprised. I know he does ride for that ownership group, but they had to know that Jose was going to be on the other speed horse. I just didn't understand that. I don't think you're giving Armanac his best chance. For me, it means Armanac has no chance to be in the exacto, so I'm just tossing him out. Uh, and, and I think he's a decent horse. He actually outran a a very fast horse last time at Santa Anita, but a fast horse who missed the break. So I'm not sure what that means. There's one possible 
flying this ointment is the three Fenwick. Now, do I think Fenwick has any chance? No, I think he's probably going to finish last. But I think that they're probably going to send Fenwick. That's what they're talking about now. They may send him, and he still may not be remotely fast enough to go with early voting. But he's the one horse with Giroux, who's a sending jockey anyway, that interests me. Let's put it this way. In a perfect world, and the way I'm going to bet, I would love Fenwick out there battling with early voting because I'm going to try to beat early voting, too. It's just a scenario. Do I think it's likely? No. Do I think it's possible? Yes. Uh, And if that's the case, Mike, uh, I'm going to – let's put it this way. It comes in 8-2, creative minister second. You can rest assured I'm having a good day at Pimlico. Uh, Creative minister is my long shot for second. Yep. Derby, Derby day, the rail was no good. Horses riding the rail, good horses. Just were like they were in quicksand when they hit the top of the stretch. They just couldn't finish. Uh, Creative Minister rode the rail the entire race. That allowance race that swung out top of the stretch, ran by, got a 94 buyer, which is very competitive with this group. I think he's an improving horse. They obviously put up a lot of money, 150000 to supplement. I think he's the live long shot for second or third here behind the favorite. I love that idea. So, Dick, your idea is Epicenter is going to crush and win for fun, and you want to use Creative Minister underneath. That's going to be your big bet, the exact bet, 8-2 for Dick Girardi. Any other way you want to play the race individually, Dick, before we get to some other betting ideas for the audience here on BetQL Boston? Yeah, I, I think that's it, Mike. I think that's the major play. I'm going to play that contest down there. If, if I have enough cash on hand, I would just bet it all, try to win the contest, bet it on Epicenter to win at even money. Say you got like eight grand or something, you bet it all if you think 16 is going to win it. Because that's obviously, you, you can never predict the exacta. But uh, yeah, I would like to have my contest life on the line with all my money on Epicenter to win if you can get even money. Hey, if folks, if you're the first time you're hearing Dick Girardi, for him to sit, come on this podcast and push a six to five shot and say love and a thousand of dollars, he really likes the horse. So eight two. But eight epicenter, the Derby runner-up, I, I have no argument whatsoever. And he'll be a, a, a strong, strong, strong A and, and doubled and tripled up uh, in all the picks uh, heading into the race for me uh, on Preakness. Some other betting ideas, Dick, before we get you ready for get your trip down to Pimlico for your crabs and your uh, cold ones with the DRF crew. Uh, let's go with the Black-Eyed Susan uh, Derby double. Like I, we, So people aren't going to want to bet uh, epicenter at 6-5. to five, So we're going right. to try to make some money here. You can bet... It's a Black Eyed Susan Derby Double. The Black Eyed Susan is the same race for Phillies on Friday at 544. So it's race 13 on Friday with race 13 on Saturday. It's available in all the places you want to bet. Look for BES Preakness Daily Double. Uh, If you have a big favorite there, speaking of horses coming in from the West Coast, a horse I thought was probably going to run in the Oaks and end up not doing it, Adair Manor, is 5-2 for Sean McCarthy, is fast coming out of that second place visit to Desert Dawn uh, in the uh, Santanita Oaks. Who do you want to use in the Black Eyed Susan with the, the Preakness double here to try to make some more money for the audience here, Dick? Yeah, I'm going to try to beat Adair Manor. And I, look, she's absolutely the horse to beat. If she runs back to those two earlier January and February numbers of 94, then she's the winner and she pr- may very well be in front. It's not an easy post to get in front of Pemlico at Pemlico at a mile and an eighth, but doable. I, I'm going to give you a, 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 it's a bit of a homer pick. Uh, but I like the six Luna Bell, the horse that's on the long winning streak at Laurel, trained locally by Hammy Smith. Now, anybody that's familiar with Maryland racing knows Hamilton Smith. He is actually the guy who gave Chris Antley his start. He's from South Carolina. He brought like a 16-year-old Chris Antley up to Pimlico, wow. however many years ago that was. 
so, and everybody down there will be rooting for him because everybody knows him and he's never really had this kind of a horse. So I do think Luna Bell is live, especially, Mike, if there is a pace, a contested pace, three or four of them going battling. And I think that's possible with horses like the two, Missy Greer and some others who have a lot of ones, uh, Midnight Stroll coming out of a, a 7-H race. So I think there's a, lo- there's a lot of heat in here potentially to go with the favorite. And we still don't yet know the Baffert off effect yet, right? We got Sean McCarthy training. Yep. Uh, and I think that's actually the same Baffert crew. This, this uh, He was allowed to keep the non-derby kind of horses, uh, give it to a trainer, but never moved out of the barn. And I believe Jimmy Barnes is involved with this group. So it's more of a Baffert thing than, say, the horses that went to the derby work. Yeah, that's an interesting horse. Uh, Luna Bell, the locals, it's, it's tough to follow the local horses. That's why we have Dick on. He's so good in Philadelphia and uh, there in the, the mid-Atlantic area. Anybody else you want to use? The horse that I was drawn to, I'll be honest, Dick, is the five-horse Beguine. Uh, I was making just a, a fifth start. The gunrunner daughter who ran a bang-up race in the fantasy uh, and is now going to get Jose Ortiz, time form and buyer putter just a notch below Adair Manor, and is going to be every bit of 12-1 to 1 for Danny Pites, who never gets bet. I don't care where it is, Danny Pites never gets bet. No, agreed. And, and I think you're right. I think she's live. I like the fact that she showed that dimension. She had won on the lead in the in the maiden race and then closed in a really good race. Remember, you, Gary, was the horse who set the pace yeah. in the Oaks and ran, yeah, with a million to one, but ran really well. Actually ended up uh, be, beating Echo Zulu. By the way, the next time Echo Zulu runs, wherever she runs, bet all your money, she's not going to lose. She ran an incredible race in the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, dueling the whole way. Uh, but, yeah, I think she's okay. And I'll give you one bomb to use. This is also a bit of a homer pick. The 13 morning matcha, all year long, she's been waiting for some race to fall apart. She's a dead closer. Everything has to go perfectly for her. But she's going to be any kind of a price for Butch Reed and Frankie Pennington for the 13. Now, it's going to, they're going to need to go like 22 at a piece, 46 and 110 for her to have a shot. But she's not had a pace to run at all year. One of these days, she's going to get one and look out. Six, little five, little 13. The favorite's still the horse to beat, but you're going to go against her with the six. Luna Bell, the local there, uh, all going into Epicenter uh, in the 13th race at the Preakness. So we'll put this online. People will be able to follow the picks. So we'll post this uh, a little bit later on today. Uh, Give us two other spots, Dick. I I would normally go through the late pick four and pick five with you. But, again, if I'm being honest, it's a really, really light card at Pimlico. It's become – uh, a tough sell as far as the Triple Crown races go to get people to ship in. So it's not a lot of shippers. What you get is a lot of local horses taking a shot in big stakes races there. Uh, and you have a turf sprint before the Preakness. I mean, it's just not – it doesn't feel like Derby Day or Belmont Day anymore, unfortunately, there at the Preakness. So we're going to lean on you. Give us two spots you want to give people on the undercard Saturday on Preakness Day. So I got two races I really like. They're right in a row. Race seven, the skip hat at six furlongs, uh, Phillies and Mares. Uh, and it's interesting when you look, when I first went through the race, I said, boy, it looks like there's some speed in there, a lot of speed. It turns out there's no speed except for the two. <laughs> Oksana is the speed. She has been in with one fast horse after another. She's finally going to get a uh, pace relief in this race. I think she's loose on the lead. And when you look at her numbers, when she gets loose on the lead, she can run into the 90s. I think she's going to get overlooked a little bit in the betting, trained by Paco or ridden by Paco Lopez. I think she is going to run great in race seven. And in race eight, this is probably would be right up there with Epicenter for my best bet of the day. A tone, there is 
zero early speed in this race. I mean, as in none. Uh, last time, Matone blinkers on, was chasing smooth like straight, who almost <laughs> won the Breeders' Cup mile, yeah. right? Loose on the lead. Well, there's nothing like smooth like straight in here. And if you look, every other horse in the race is a dead closer. Atone has not really had a situation where she's been loose on the lead, or where he's been loose on the lead. This is a Mike Mecker, Irad Ortiz special. I love Atone in the dinner party race eight at Pembroke. Oh, awesome ideas, Dick. Those are two we'll mark down here for the people. Race seven, the number two, Oxana, and race eight, number six, Atone. We'll get you out on this as we get set for Preakness weekend. The weather forecast looks like baking hot on Saturday, like 96 degrees, sunny all day, not a drop of, of rain during the day Saturday. In your experience, Dick, and people don't take this for gospel, but Dick's seen more races at Pimlico than I'll see my entire lifetime. So on a day like this, track profile, what would you be looking for in terms of any sort of biases that could pop up when it's this hot and this dry in Baltimore, Dick? Yeah, I, I think it, you can generally expect the track to be the dirt track to be really tight and the turf course to be really hard. Yep. So to me, that both favors speed. Uh, again, unless you get some kind of a wild pace duel where anything's possible. I remember there's been preaknesses like that where you said, hey, the speed horse is going to turn out to be more than one speed horse. So, yeah, I would kind of lean that way. But pay attention. It could complete, be completely different. I mean, like Derby Day, I didn't go there expecting the rail to be no good. But after about four or five races, it was obvious. I changed a lot of things that I was planning to play because of it. Uh, so, yeah, you got always be ready for an audible in a horse race. Dick Girardi, courtesy of Bet Online, a longtime sports journalist and an awesome handicapper. Good luck. Let's get it. Center home in the pre. We'll talk for the Belmont, Dick. Thanks, sir. Sounds good. Thank you, Mike.